Hello and welcome to Mastermind Growth, where we share the wisdom, the stories and the insights from business owners. My name is John Cassie Rice and I have the pleasure to be your host for this week's podcast. I am your local Federation of Small Businesses membership advisor, meeting and supporting business owners from all industries. Today we have David with us. Hello, David. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us and taking the time out to do this. Yeah, pleasure. Excellent. So, so tell us about your business, David. Um, okay, well, uh, the business I have today is radically different to the one I had in mind 20 years ago when I left the corporate world. Um, it, to, to cut a very long story short, I came out of the investment banking world after 25 years in 2001, set up my own business, and I had two, two clear ideas in mind, my plan A, if you like, um, and neither of them lasted a month. Um, the first one, I was going to be contracted to go back and do work at Deutsche Bank uh, around um, investing in early stage technology businesses. Because if you think back, that was the time of the internet, you know, boom and stuff and dot coms. Um, and uh, the department I was contracted to do the work for uh, was closed within a week of me setting up my own business. So the contract was, I think, in legal terms, frustrated. I couldn't do it. And then the other one, uh, I had a client in uh, Midtown Manhattan that had hired me as a consultant to help them with a project, which ironically involved Deutsche Bank, uh, around digital workspaces. And I was going to be doing some stakeholder management stuff for them. And uh, I started work with them on, mon on the Monday of the week of 9-11. Um, right. Deutsche, Bank Deutsche Bank's offices uh, were kind of destroyed one day later because they were right next to the World Trade Center. So the pilot project couldn't start, uh, which meant the company um, basically, well, basically the whole, the whole idea died literally. Um, and so there I am, uh, you know, less than a month into being my own boss, and my plan A is completely vaporized. Uh, and it then took me 15 minutes, uh, 15 months rather, to come up with a plan B that worked. So there's a lesson. Um, always have a plan B. Um, uh, but what I do now, um, sort of 20 years on, is I've got a portfolio of three things. Um, I do a lot of work mentoring people who have been made redundant and want to set up their own business rather than look for another job. And then a subset of those people who've proved to themselves in the market that the model works um, and they want to take it to the next level, I help them through the growing pains. Um, so that's the first one. Second, I ha I'm an honorary senior visiting fellow at Cass Business School. Uh, so uh, I do work there with both the student community and the business community around a range of issues, but not surprisingly around entrepreneurship uh, and finally i've written eight books on different aspects of starting and growing your business so in in sort of tweet length i'm a, a mentor lecturer and author excellent wow that that <laughs> summarizes your journey so far as well as a whole batch of challenges <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's been a roller coaster but uh you know um you know i wouldn't uh you know i wouldn't have it any other way really it's uh, no Absolutely. So coming back, because I should imagine at this point, there's a lot of people who find themselves in a situation where one of their options is to start a business. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the key things to keep in mind? Um, I think the first one is particularly if you're coming out of a, um, a big institution, uh, not exclusively, but, but you know, if you're coming out of employed work of some sort, uh, and you decided you want to do your own thing, whatever that looks like, um, I think you need to do some kind of self-awareness in terms of have you got what it takes to run your own business? 
And secondly, in terms of a business skills inventory, there'll be jobs that you've probably never done that you'll have to do to make your business successful. And the two most common ones where people need, I think, to upskill are firstly around finance. It's amazing how many people don't know how to you know, sort of calculate margins and break even and things. But also, there's not many people uh, in the employed world who, uh, apart from selling their house or their car, have ever sold anything. And they may be very good at what they want to do, but can they win the business in the first place? So uh, I think it's, you know, doing an honest self-appraisal in terms of how you're wired up to behave and how that's going to help you. And if you've got any blind spots. And then secondly, to do like a business skills inventory to look at what you need to either learn how to do or pay somebody else to do it for you. I think yeah. that's the big one. And then yeah. the second one is um, making sure that whatever it is you're planning to do, you have to be a solution to a problem. You can't be a solution that's got to go find a problem because it ain't going to work. <laughs> so let's come back to that self-awareness because I think that uh, is yeah. important. And it sounds like you, you went through that and it took you 15 months. So I think you've got some valuable lessons yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the problem I had or the challenge I had was, you know, 25 years in banking with uh, what's now HSBC and Deutsche. And I was really um, in, in banking terminology. I was a general manager in that I could turn my hand to most things in the world of banking. Uh, but I wasn't a recognized expert at, I don't know, um, trade finance, real estate finance, you know, M&A, corporate finance, whatever it may be, I'd done a bit of everything. So I'm thinking to myself, am I of any use to anybody and what would they pay me you know, to do? So um, what I did was uh, I, I hooked up with a company that had an amazing piece of software which I could use as a diagnostic tool um, to help establish businesses that were frustrated and wanted to grow. But it was it was tying in with some of the work I'd done laterally at Deutsche, uh, Deutsche where I was a, a non-exec director on some of the companies we invested in. So it was sort of providing non-exec director type advice and support to companies that were normally too small to have that kind of external input. Right. So how, uh, how, how, how did you get there? How did you get there from sort of the contracts, losing those contracts to going, this seems like the right solution? Um, what it was one of those weird strokes of luck and you know is it meant to be or not where a guy based up in Yorkshire who was ex-Barclays contacted me on LinkedIn and said thought you might be interested in this idea and they were they were building uh, this business around kind of strategic planning and so I joined their board and they gave me effectively the license to build their brand in London and the southeast so they gave me a toolkit so oh, all excellent. of a sudden I had something to use Yes. Now, I think the network and a great tool yeah. like LinkedIn is vital for anyone starting a business. Yeah. And it was just, and the, it was one of those things where it was meant, you think it was meant to be because uh, my exploratory meeting with them was in York, which is where, spookily, my son was a student at the time at York <laughs> University. So you just think well, this, this was meant to be, yeah? Yeah. And I think there is a part of that within business. There's the logic side, there's the intuitive side, and there's mm. the um, stuff happens that works in your favour. Yeah. And uh, it's been interesting talking to folk through the, through the lockdown who, um, who look at it and they're wringing their hands and saying life's not fair and they see it as a threat. And other people who see it as a great opportunity. Yeah. You know, and uh, one person's threat is somebody else's opportunity. And the people who I think are going to do well are the ones who it's not the biggest or the fastest or the strongest it's the most agile yeah and it's the people who can show that agility and adaptability 
to kind of deal with what um, the marketplace is throwing at them. Yes, I would agree with you. I've had the pleasure of talking to lots of business owners, especially over the lockdown. And there is uh, almost the same spread of people doing really well. Yeah. The people in the middle that are doing okay. And then yeah. some of that are failing. Yeah. And I think it's Darwinian. I think a lot of the ones, a lot of the businesses that were already live, as opposed to ones that have started, um, what it's done is it's, it's really thrown into sharp, um, relief flaws in their business model that were pro probably already there yes yes yeah. which comes back to your point is kind of knowing yourself first doing some yeah. work around some of the skill areas yeah yeah so so you're in a situation where you go i've got to sell myself yeah what what are the thinking processes behind that if it's the first time you really do need to sell a product um i i think it's basically trying to do some uh, some myth busting around what sales is and what it isn't uh and um in my case i was fortunate to do some work with a company um which had a behavior profiling tool which you can use to then learn to adapt your behavior uh to match that of the people you're trying to build a rapport with uh, and if you can get it right and build that initial rapport and then the relationship and the trust that goes with it, you can create a situation where the genuinely interested people want to buy from you rather than you having to sell to them. Yes. Uh, and that for me was the real breakthrough. All right, excellent. And that, I, I'm, no. Sorry, go on. I was gonna say, I'm, I'm a relationship guy, not a transaction guy. And with what I was doing, if you didn't build a relationship, you weren't gonna get the transaction anyway. No. No, yeah. there's no one right way of doing something, but there's no. the way that works I, I, for yourself. And it sounds very relational for yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was learning to adapt to my behavior without being kind of Machiavellian or manipulative about it to, to kind of better match the way the other party wanted to be communicated with, which may not be my natural style. Yes. Yeah, so if, if I had to enter their world rather than drag them into mine. <laughs> yeah and that's helping somebody feel understood in their world yeah. all right fabulous so what would be your three tips for starting a business oh goodness i think um i think the uh, if, if we park the um you know that i've already kind of given one or two around yes. the um, self-diagnostic and they make sure you're a solution to a problem you know not the other way around i think the biggest one for me is um making sure people earn your trust rather than you giving it away for free. I've seen so many people, you know, associates, clients, partners in crime, whatever, who have been hurt by trusting people who've let them down. And the, the psychological uh, and financial kind of pain that that can cause is huge. That's a powerful yeah. statement. I, yes. Yeah, and I've seen, it's where they brought people in at board level and these people had joined and the inner motive was really what could they bleed out of the company rather than what could they contribute to it. Yes. And, and you just see history repeating itself again and again and again. And it's happened to me. So cause I'm, I, I was too trusting. I'm not now, you know, people have to earn my trust. Um, and, uh, that I think makes a huge difference. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's one of the key ones. Um, I think once you've started, have the courage and the humility to accept you may need to change your business model because the marketplace may not accept what it is you think the marketplace needs. And I did a survey for one of my, for one of my books 
and 70% of the respondents admitted that what they'd been successful with was not the idea they had in mind when they started. 70%. So you've got to have, you've got to have the, uh, you know, the, um, you know, the, I said the courage and the humility to accept that, you know, and then to do something about it. Um, and I think the third one is probably um, making sure that you create for yourself the network you need as opposed to the network you've got and making sure that the people who are in it are the right people. Yes. Yeah, no, I hardly agree with that because uh, we were lucky enough to connect on LinkedIn. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that want to connect with you that have no bearing on maybe your business or situation. Yeah. And then how do you decide whether to connect or not to connect? Well, that's a, actually, there's two parts to that question because one of them links back to what I've just said. But uh, I, I tend to... Um, in that context, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt, but quite often I can see, you know, it's, it's scary when you get things right. Somebody who wants to connect with you, where within minutes of you doing it, you get hit with some um, some kind of sales pitch yes. where uh, they clearly haven't done their research and where what they want to offer me is absolutely of no relevance at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they're not all like that, but there's a lot of them out there. Yes. And I'm, I'm much better at spotting them now uh, than, um, you know, than, than I was before. But the other thing uh, in terms of LinkedIn, it was very useful because I decided um, about five or six years ago uh, that this goes back to my create the network you need rather than one you've got. Yes. That I had the, the networking circuit, for want of a better word, had kind of had its day for me and I'd loved it because I'm curious and I like talking to people, but it wasn't a great source of business. You know, I got some, but not a huge amount. So what I did was I thought, I'm going to create my own network, not my own networking group, my own network, uh, an inner circle, if you like. Um, and um, basically what I did, I, I looked at my LinkedIn uh, kind of community, if you like, and the first filter was who is the there where I'm not 100% convinced there is a mutual trust, respect, and affection, okay? And at the time, I think I had about 750 connections. That got me down to 70, okay? If it wasn't 100%, and it wasn't the case I was then saying, you're not my friend anymore, but I was going to be more reactive rather than proactive. Yes. Um, and uh, I decided that I could really only genuinely nurture the way I wanted to, 20 people, to invest the time and energy in them that I'd been spending on networking itself. So I've still got to lose or ship another 50, if you like. Right. So the second filter was how many of these people is the tangible evidence of a symbiotic relationship where we're trying to help each other and look out for each other. Uh, and that got me down to 30. So I'm still 10 heavy. So the tiebreaker was of these 30, how many would I let go and see my number one client without me going with them, safe in the knowledge they would do good and not do damage? And that got me down to 18. So I thought, bingo, I've got my inner circle with a bit of wriggle room to add two more. So I went about, the target was I would meet these people face-to-face -face at least once a quarter. you know. And that time in terms of finding out more about them and their business, hopefully there would be some kind of payback from that. And over the last three years, all my new business has come one way or another from that group, either directly or indirectly. So it was the best business decision um, I ever made, I think. Yes. And it's going from the, uh, 
how many I got lists so big, so large, aren't yeah. I doing so well, regardless mm. of what work you're getting from it, to go and mm. I've got a quality connection with these people. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah, it worked really well. And out of those, I only made uh, one mistake in terms of somebody being in that group who maybe it turned out shouldn't have been. Right. But I think, you know, only one isn't bad, actually, because I'm a human. You know, you oh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> it wasn't a robotic exercise. Um, and it was a very subjective assessment on my part. Um, but uh, no, it was the best decision I made. And it was really kind of gratifying when I said I looked at these, uh, looked at the metrics in terms of new business and looked at the origins of it. And it was surprise, surprise, this group. Yes. We were in Fabulous. So based on what we've talked about today, which one of your yep. books would you recommend? Uh, oh, that's a really tough question. Um, the, it's like choosing your favourite child, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they all serve different audiences. Um, the if I just say really briefly what they do, um, crew to captain book one is how do you how do you start a business generically? Book two is how do you set up as a sole practitioner consultant? And book three is if you've done either of those things and you proved it works, how do you take it to the next level? Um, so it's really w which one matches up to, for somebody against where they are on their um, on their journey. Right. Um, the most recent one, which is getting a lot of interest, which should have launched on the 7th of April at the IOD, but we were in lockdown, so it didn't happen, um, is called Changing Tack. And that's, that's about making the transition from working full-time to semi-retirement, which a lot of people have been thinking about. Um, yeah. And that one has been getting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of interest. Excellent. Well, can I ask you to send me some links to those books so I can put them on our website so people can click through to them? Of course I can. Fabulous. And if somebody wanted to engage with you, David, and maybe yeah. sort of take a, uh, talk to you about some of the mentoring or some of the yeah. other work that you do, how would they yeah. contact you? Um, well, the best way is via, well, my, my, I can send you my, um, my email address and my, uh, my mobile and they can use either to contact me really. Excellent. And we'll put that on our website as well so that okay. people can contact you. Well, I'd thank you for sharing your story, your, your ups and your downs and your insights and your tips for business. <laughs> and uh, that's been great. Okay. Fabulous. Uh, David, if you happen to know of any other business owners or entrepreneurs that have benefited from being on the, on the show, would you let me know? Yeah, I will do. Thinking cap on. Excellent. Excellent. I'll, I'll, I'll dig out a couple of good storytellers for you. <laughs> I love this good story. I love a good story. Okay. <laughs> so this has been a podcast by business owners for business owners and until next time see you soon bye then david okay, bye. the federation of small businesses with practical help for business owners such as free business banking no charges for everyday banking services such as paying in checks and cash it also includes a free chain facility so you can always have enough coins and notes when you need it most any questions, contact me at john.cassidy-rice at fsb.org.uk.